Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. One thing I think we can agree on is we shouldn't shut down the government over a dispute. And you want to shut it down. I, no, you keep no, talking no, no, about no. it. The last time, Chuck, you shut it down. No, no, no. And then you open it up very quickly. And we live in a world of political polarization. But the political polarization of yesteryear, by which I mean like 160 years ago, makes today's battles seem polite. For example, as Nancy Pelosi, today's current Democratic leader in the House of Representatives, seeks election as Speaker of the House amid infighting within her own party, let's consider a similar battle for Speaker in 1859, for which, alas, we have no audio. The country's divisions were even more stark than today. Slavery was the dominant issue, with Congress, led by Republicans, engaged in a daily tug-of-war over abolition and slaveholder rights. Just two years earlier, the Supreme Court had declared in the Dred Scott decision that people of color, whether free or enslaved, were not and could never be citizens. Much like today, the political landscape was obviously in turmoil. The Whig Party, which had sent two winning candidates to the White House in the 1840s, had crumbled. Its northern and southern factions irreparably at odds over slavery's expansion into territories and new states. Into the vacuum had come the Republicans, born in 1854 as an anti-slavery party, but regarded by the South as sectional and uncompromising. In five short years, they went from the fringes to holding a near majority. The party settled on a candidate for speaker, a young up-and-coming representative from Ohio named John Sherman. He was 36 years old, an engineer turned lawyer. He had earned his party's plaudits as a legislative force during his first two terms as a representative. His candidacy for speaker was instantly controversial. Southern Democrats called him a fanatic, a menace, a Negro stealer, an insurrectionist who endorsed the reprint of a Southerner's treasonous anti-slavery broadside for distribution throughout the North. Yikes. Day after day, Sherman bore the brunt of Southern hyperbole. He was attacked as a collaborator with the most extreme abolitionists, men such as William Lloyd Garrison, who had famously declared that the Constitution's protection of slaveholder property made it a covenant with death and an agreement with hell. Sherman, in defending himself, offered several olive branches. I would not trespass on a right of a single Southern citizen, he said to the House early on. I am opposed to any interference of the people of the free states with the relations of master and slave in the slave states. But nothing worked. Sherman stuck it out for 35 ballots before conceding. A substitute Republican candidate, William Pennington of New Jersey won on the 44th ballot, 
by a single vote. It was February 1st, 1860. The House finally had a speaker, and yet the country seemed closer than ever to a rift that could not be repaired. A year later, the desk of five Southern delegations sat empty, the first states in a rebellion that would ultimately tear the country apart, the Civil War. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Stephen Luxenberg, who reported this story for The Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.